0: as everyone, thank you once again for downloading this podcast. I'm your host, Amand Dharani. In today's episode, we have Desert Island Gems with Ustad Wissam Sharif from the USA. Uh, this is an interview I recorded in 2017 and I'm currently recording this introduction in 2020. Ustad Wissam Sharif is known globally as a Quran expert, educator and teacher. Uh, he runs Quran Revolution In this interview, we talk about how he has taught Qur'an to over 20,000 students and how he overcame dyslexia, which again was something which I was unaware of. He talks about how he learned directly from Dr. Israr Ahmed. May Allah be pleased with him. And many of you, if you are from the Indian subcontinent, you'll have known him or your parents will have known Dr. Israr as a scholar of, of the Qur'an and would give lectures in Urdu, particularly on TV. And he was very popular orator and educator as well, and Usad uh, with Sam Sharif learned directly from him. We hope you really enjoy this podcast. Please do check out the other ones that we've recorded and released, including the Desert Island Gems. If you get an opportunity, please do like, subscribe and share on your podcast provider, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. And follow us on social media, whether that's on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. There'll be other show links that I've added in the episode notes, so again, check some of those out. But until next time, as alaikum alaykum wa You're listening to Desert Island Gems an in-depth and intimate interview where we ask our guests to select meaningful gems that they would take to a desert island if they were cast away alone. We hope that the journey inspires you and helps you reflect. Our guest today is Ustad Wissam Sharif who joins us from the USA. Ustad Wissam is a Qari, teacher and public speaker, but he is perhaps best known for one thing, increasing people's connection with the Quran by giving them the confidence to read, understand and memorize the Quran. He travels the world speaking and teaching and has taught over 20,000 students over the years. He is founder of the project AQL, Advocating Quranic Literacy and his latest initiative is QuranRevolution.com. After his studies in the USA he went to Lahore, Pakistan to continue his studies under the guidance of Dr Israr Ahmed, may Allah be pleased with him. He has also studied with scholars from Mecca and Egypt and if that wasn't enough, He's a trained radiology technician. So, Ustad Wisam, Assalamu Alaikum and welcome.
1: Wa Alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi Wa Barakatuhu. Thank you very much and salams and peace to all the listeners as well.
0: Ustad Wisam, have you always found reading and memorizing the Quran an easy process?
1: Uh, no, I, I personally found uh, it to be a very difficult process um from the get go reading uh, was difficult reading and memorizing was very difficult and uh, just as a child the whole sitting down in one spot to do anything i wanted to run and jump so not only was it difficult but when they did pin me down i was really hard to get a grasp uh, of the learning so I, I had to do things i found a difficulty and then the excitement was trying to get around it so no it was it was a very Uh, difficult struggle uh, and until alhamdulillah once you get it then then there's the other side of enjoying it but the beginning was pretty tough
0: and do you think the way the quran is taught in the west needs to be different to the way it has historically been taught in many muslim countries over the centuries
1: um, I think in, in general, uh, we can take the West as the beginning, uh, take the West to be the youngest, whether it's an Islamic concept, but even as an empire, we're 200 years old, right? Just generally. So we're the kids on the block. So we are a little bit more sensitive. So American Muslims, again, in the West, we're a little bit more sensitive. So yes, I do think we need to shift the way quran is studied and I, uh, the the west is an incubator to see can we do it online uh, can we use our devices and have our netflix app next to our quran quran revolution app can we do that yes i do think it's time to make the shift but the foundation of the old traditional way is if you think about it the Deobandi bandi school It was revolutionary at its time, the concept of sitting somewhere. So what we're clinging to is the traditional. uh, If we take a step back, every single time uh, we studied and learned, it was revolutionary uh, when it started. So, yes, we do need to change just like all of the classical scholars uh, brought the the information up to their time.
0: And what motivated you to start QuranRevolution.com?
1: Hmm. So uh, uh, that's a, a little bit of a longer uh, s- story, but I will say this much. Uh, I was younger and I struggled tremendously. Dyslexia is something where the letters get mixed up. I was South Indian. Uh, we didn't have a very strong cor- uh, recitation a line I mean we read at home, but pronunciation wasn't there. So with all of that baggage, uh, I think I had a I think maybe you could relate to, I didn't have the most positive experience with Quran. I saw very negative things when it came to, oh, I got to read Quran now. And I felt that, but then I would read Quran and it would be like, wow, that is magic. Like as a kid, that's the only way I could explain it. So Quran revolution was the idea that I'm sure someone's heard a YouTube talk or listened to a lecture of anybody and said, oh my God, Quran so cool, let me read it. But there's no one place that'll take you from letters, uh, be the ability to uh, pronounce a little bit, then gather rhythm, and that same uh, group would then teach you vocabulary, and then say, "Look, let's memorize together." I thought, "Let's bring it all in, uh, into one place." So that's and, uh, that's where Quran revolution the idea came.
0: And do you think that's um, an alternative? Because I guess many people traditionalists may say, "Look, you need to find a teacher in your local area that one to one." Um, teachers what you need. So I guess uh, you're obviously taking it into the 21st century. So how would you respond to those people that say actually, you know, you need to just find somebody local?
1: I say yes, 100%. Remember, if you can sit under the tree, then please go to the tree and sit there and find the teacher, drink from the well of knowledge that he has, irrigate his crops by teaching other people. But I have to be fair to myself, I got those gifts pre-Trump, pre-9-11, and now I'm going to tell you, go travel to Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, oh, and make sure you stop off in Turkey to learn calligraphy. It's like, what? No way. Literally every country I just named would be an issue. So to those who say we need to go the traditional route, uh, uh, you just have to understand one thing. And as a Westerner, it takes a moment. That's a luxury. Not everyone has that. Just like our Iman is a luxury that we take for granted, being able to go to a teacher. Uh, let me flip the coin for a second. Uh, I am a convert. I am not wealthy. Um, I'm also a- I'm African American, so the color of my skin is not attractive to you. And now tell me to go find a teacher. Like the- I-, I-, I don't hear the sass in it, but that's a reality that people have to deal with. So I I come from the traditional line, I I would love for students to continue Ijazah, but I would say everyone get as close to the source, to a teacher, as you can get. But what Qur'an revolution, and I don't want to make this a plug, but what online learning of Qur'anic study with a group that thought it all out, I mean we think the whole process out, What that will do is provide a structure and then say you walk into your local masjid, which has a five minute reading slot for you. You're now trained with Bruce Lee to go to the first time karate class, right? You kind of got the idea. So I believe it is a like a supplement. We would love to see advocating Quranic literacy and Quran revolution like the Intel chip. People are, it's a little chip And with this Quran program Powered by Quran revolution That way you do have Everything in your hand and then a live Teacher can give you the adab, the mannerism The way you don't Turn pages loudly in front of your Teacher, I can't teach you that online But that uh, that is to uh, Is my rebuttal To my uh, our beautiful brothers and sisters From the traditional line uh, Don't forget me, but uh, I would say to them, let's just uh, let's keep our arms wider open because everyone needs that love of Quran and if we could do it online Let's do it online.
0: And so it sounds like you're trying to be uh, more comprehensive more available for certain um, people that may have reluctance and I guess uh, Something that s- strikes me is they may well be people. I know people personally that have had very bad experiences growing up in the madrasa or masjid system and obviously we're not generalizing this good and bad in everything but you know, I've met people that say, I don't want to go back." backwards, you know, 10-15 years. They've stayed away from the masjid uh, right. because of, you know, pe- you know, the imams didn't have the right teaching methods. Obviously, there are people that have flourished. Um, so I guess something like your initiative in online learning may well give them another avenue to come back to connecting with the Quran.
1: Definitely. And if we could just uh, a small activity pre-Ramadan and, and everything that uh, our brother just said, uh, we have had some negative interactions with uh, people associated to Qur'an. Is that correct? So if one of our listeners has this, it's a small exercise and it takes maybe 15 minutes. But if you could write down, uh, how many grades? Do you all have like a standard 1 through 12?
0: Do you have something like that? Yes, yeah, so we have seven years of primary school and then six years of high school.
1: Perfect. So if everyone could write the number 1 to 13 on a sheet of paper and then list every name of your uh, grade school teacher. So mine is Mrs. Swartz, Mrs. Brett Snyder, Mr. Govea, Mrs. Croak. And so what you do here is you create 13 years of pre-memories. Now, most of us have negative associations when it come to masjid or some bearded man who beat you. And we have to smile because in that world, it was okay and it made sense. But when you grew up, it became a sore in your brain and you can't heal it because then you have to like erase the masjid experience. So you have to understand that if you can do the exercise, write down every grade school teacher, and then three great things that happened that year. So then you might say, uh, in my example, uh, in the first grade, some amazing things happened. And then it was just this amazing gratitude feeling. I was like, Oh, in the second grade, this happened and my teacher was like this, and because you're using your grade school teacher, you're away from the masjid. Now, I know someone's screaming, I only went to a Muslim school, but you weren't necessarily beaten by your grade school teacher. Three things that you uh, positively happened in that year, and if you do this exercise once or twice you'll start to see maybe in the fifth or sixth year, the fifth or sixth standard, you're like, hmm, can't think of too many good things. Maybe that year something negative happened. And from that place, uh, I want to shake out those, those negative memories. Uh, I had very positive experiences with teachers, but I saw very negative things. Um, kids getting hit. Kids, um, and, and you all are thinking about getting hit. I've seen kids... A throw and I, this is gonna, this is PG 13, so it might offend you. They threw their Quran and they pointed at and they said, I get hit because of you. Now, think about the psyche. Does that kid need to heal somewhere? And, and that's a big part of what Quran Revolution tries to do. Is I could teach you tajweed in 15 20 minutes, inshallah. Um, but going back to the fifth grade, the sixth grade. Where now you have a sheet of paper that tells you three great things that happened. You can revisit that memory and say, my hafizab did not have a Dale Carnegie, how to be a great Quran teacher. My hafiz teacher minded, Alhamdulillah, wonderful human being. Um, my teacher didn't speak English, was brought to a new country, and now is working for 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 sustenance. That's tough. Like that puts you in a very, um, it puts you in a results a kind of situation so if you could forgive them and if you could do that once uh, then i believe yes the online 21st century uh, cannot happen until you heal yourself and i will i will say this people have come to us begrudgingly and they said oh the mustard people won't teach me this and that and we don't allow you we don't want you to go through an online through quran revolution till you've healed up those wounds because the Quran part, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, That definitely, certainly, Allah would make the Quran easy for remembrance. That's the easy part. You know, the tough part is the inner revolution. Is going back and saying, Quran is gonna heal me. Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, He was looking out for me. He wasn't some sheikh molana who beat me when I was little that's that association he was Shafin Muhammad Ahmad, Hamid Mahmud he was beautiful he was he was Nabi Yatooba right Nabi Yut-Tawbah, the nabi who made toba for us so when you can take Allah as your Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and I'll, I'll I'll close on this sentence when you can stop thinking that Allah's watching you and you start believing Allah's watching out for you, when you start believing that Muhammad Rasulullah was Shafin, he was a healer, and the prescription he brought you, not some metaphor, the actual vibration of A'udhu whether I understand the meaning or not, the frequency is the healing method through which uh, Muhammad Brought the Quran to me And I accept it fully Uh, If that's the 21st century Then bring it on Inshallah
0: MashaAllah Thank you Ustad Bissam We're going to cast you away On this desert island Tell us about the first item That you're going to take with you
1: Uh, The first thing that I would take Is a list or a recording Of the 99 names of Allah Subhanahu wa (laughs) ta'ala
0: Tell us a bit about why you've chosen that. Um,
1: In in my opinion, uh, when you're alone and you're deserted, you may lose faith in yourself, but if there's a God, it's going to be really helpful. But if you can fashion the the perception of this God 99 different ways, I think you've extended your stay 99 uh, more years because each day, each year, you can reflect on one. So kind of having... That reminder that he's not just Allah far away, but he is Ar Rahman Ar Rahim Malikul Quddus.
0: And do you have any favorite names out of the 99? Any particular that have an attachment for you?
1: So every year I try to pick four or five that really focus on, and I've been doing it since like 2014 or 15. So this year has been the year of uh knowing Allah is al-Muizzul Mudhillus Sami'ul Basir al-Hakamul Adlul Latif so if you took those together Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala is and I I it's a it's a longer explanation but Allah is my honor Allah is the giver of my humiliation so I'm not worried about you or this world, but if I'm honored, Allah honored me, if I'm humiliated, it's not if you and Radio Ramadan knows all my sins, it's if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you have been humiliated. And then sami'ul basir, he can hear me, he can see me in a good way. But it, just one thought that I will leave with our listeners. When Allah, you call Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, al-Hakamul that God is the judge and he's just. Would you say personally, and any of my list, and our listeners, when Allah judges you on the day of judgment, will you feel judged? Take a full second to think about this. Allah, beyond any need, so you are gonna get every second of your life, every single, imagine like 7,000 iPhones just playing the one scene of your life, 70,000, uh, screens. Will you feel judged? Absolutely. Uh, And and this is my take to you. I say no. I say you will not. I'm saying judged in the negative way. Like, will you feel like God is looking down on you? What do you think? No, No. I don't think so. So I I know this is a little bit tougher uh, for all of us to swallow, but there's a beautiful book. Uh, to, uh, about near-death experiences. You've heard of the concept, right? And um, over 600 cases of physicians, uh, PhDs in neuroscience, doctors, having themselves near-death experiences. And of these 2,000 that are documented, 600 of these people can explain clearly that they went to the afterlife, they died, and they saw all of their life in front of them. Except all of them came back and said, I never felt judged. That to me filled me, uh, and I think it'll take our listeners a second. Allah will be able to judge you. But when you're done, will you feel like, oh, oh man, I was judged. No, I think because all of the universe will be in front of you. Every second of your life, you'll kind of be like, yeah, I did that. And that acceptance to me it is Al-Hakamul Adl is on the Day of Judgment, I'm not going to be judged in a way that I feel negative. I'm going to say, yeah, Wissam, you did that. Now fess up, like, pani ka pani, right? It's it's water, It's you're in front of Allah. So to me, those are the, the names that stick out the most. So you can take the
0: 99 names with you. Um, now tell me, I wonder whether were you brought up in quite a religious household, um, and can you give us a bit of a flavor in terms of what life was like growing up for you?
1: Okay, so I'm gonna put the disclaimer. I love my family and I am very proud, so I don't want to sugarcoat anything. Uh, we grew up in a very normal household in terms of, um we, we watched Desi films a lot and I enjoyed them thoroughly. Like, that was a big part of growing up, and I hope that you can understand. I don't hide from that. Uh, we watched TV, and if you watch, movies you listen to music it's just a part of the progression but there was almost and i'm not telling you this is right it was in a box it was like these are things i.e these are drugs and this is how you use them and you're gonna be very careful about them and if that offends you, again, it was an American household. The, my mom's a pediatrician. The doctor's office was in the house. We saw, so the idea of all the religious things that you might grow up with, they walked into our house, uh, daily. The drug use or a patient was, if a younger person was pregnant, we knew about it at bad dinner. So that, I guess that was the difference between our households. Uh, religion wasn't separate. It was we were trying to live within it. So within religion, there are these bad things. There's TV, there's music, there's video games. But there was always a very strong sense of um, you would never use a Walkman. You would never play Game Boy. You would never listen to a CD player because then you were doing it by yourself. And there's no way for you to check. So uh, I would say at the same time, though, five times prayer. We went to the masjid religiously. But it wasn't ever activity. It was like, hey guys, going to Masjid. Oh, yay, Masjid. And it was just this activity. Abu went for Fajr, which you might think to be a religious thing. But then everyone in our community brought their kids to Fajr. So shout out to Westbury, Long Island and all of our imams. But our ICLI Masjid, it was normal. And then the imam would go with you to the beach and, and you would swim or eat donuts and bagels. The household... It wasn't the religious. We went out and yeah, I went for Jamaat because it was cool when I was 14, 15. My dad had nothing to do with it, but the openness in the, in the house allowed us to say, yeah, those things happen, but I'm never going to hide and do it because. I do it with my family. If that offends you, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide you. But I feel like this is about inspiration. So if you all are looking for a religious, the religious moment where the angel is going to come out of the sky, it doesn't happen. It happens with sitting with your family and being like, Allah, this is real. Like this is real. So uh, that to me is important.
0: And what point. sort of amb- ambitions did you have when you were young?
1: I wanted to work at Toys R Us. Uh, (laughs) um, And and if you want to know one of my first jobs, I went straight to Toys R Us. Like I had it from childhood. And alhamdulillah, like I got to manager at KB, uh, like uh, assistant manager uh, pretty quickly. Like I was just very, I liked it. I like to be uh, around the idea of the delight within the toy. And so that's a whole nother story. Uh, But as a kid, I will tell you, uh, I can't hide I wasn't necessarily religious, but I loved this Quran stuff. If you will allow me to have that, uh, did I pray five times a day when I was ten? Probably not. But the Quran thing was really cool. It it was it was magical. It was Captain Planet's ring. It was He-Man's sword. It was to me. It was the the Thundercat. Uh, the everything that what I was seeing in cartoon. I was like. Yeah, Allah, you know, Allah knows about that stuff. And that's why He gave us the Quran. So it was, it was always very mythical, if you will, to me, but in a real way. It was cart, it was very much, uh, superpower, supernatural. I understood Quran wasn't from this world. And if I could just a quick shout out, my first experience with Quran and Hadith was in Scotland at the age of 10. I was transformed. I was handed, um, Mishkatul Musabih which I have that copy till today. I wrote my name on the inside. Um, that trip to Scotland when I was 10 years old, so you could do the math from 1981, I transformed my life. Uh, Jamaat Tabligh or whatever masjid I visited absolutely uh, triggered one point. Jannah is real. If you memorize the Quran, you're going to Jannah. That's all I got on that trip. And so yes, uh, Scotland, when I came to visit my khala, uh, and to the whole family um, that trip when I was 10 transformed my life
0: and this connection you said you had with the Quran was that in the Arabic or was that in the English at that time
1: Arabic it, there was something about and again please pardon the word the song because I would hear music and I was like yeah this is cool but then I'd hear Quran I'm like eh, but it it's not the same. I could tell it wasn't the same because we heard so much music and so many uh, English, Urdu, different languages. So my ear was open to a lot of sound and then I'd hear Quran and then I would recite Quran and be like, hmm, it doesn't sound like the guy in the tape, but it's still something unique.
0: And that was before you understood what the meaning was, was it just purely yeah. the Arabic.
1: Okay. With, with all due respect to all the meaning chasers out there, I love you with my heart. Um, You will attain only This much Quran when you get the meaning I get it or you have to practice it I love you I know you're talking Because you're saying words but if you want to Feel the Quran it's going to Come in the sound that's why my lord picked Arabic there's a frequency In the Arabic that maybe you're Just your ego Is too big to be able to sit Down and say your mind doesn't Need to understand Quran you need to Experience Quran
0: so tell us about Your next item that you're going to take with you
1: I'll tell you right off the bat, salawat on the Prophet Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. You know my uh, then Prophet, peace be upon him, has 99 characteristics. They're not from hadith, but they're strewn through the Quran, through stories that he was Ahmad, Mahmoud, Hamid. Sallallahu Alaihi Muhammad. Sallallahu
0: محمد أحمد حامد محمود قاسم عاقب فاتح شاهد حاشر رشيد مشهود
1: بشير نذير داع شاف هادي مهد ما I'll give you my, my one, one sentence on this. I personally believe God doesn't pray, God doesn't fast, God doesn't go for Hajj, but what is the only verb in the Quran that God innately associated himself with? In Allah wa malaikatahu? Yusalluna. So God does salawat. I'm off on this desert island, I'm probably going kooky at some point, and I'm getting depressed or starting to hallucinate. I want to do something with God, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. But that would get, and I'm going to use the word boring, because you'd be like, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad while you're burning in the sun. Then you'd be like, oh no, salli ala Khatim uh, uh, Khatimul anbiya Kalimullah, Habibullah, Najeeullah, Safiullah, And then you could kind of interact with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa And then the last, last thing, if you're totally hallucinating and you're dying on this desert island, you could always do a quick snapshot of Sirah just by saying his name. He was a healer, he was a good dad, he was a... You know, and then you could boom... You could kind of always watch a snapshot of Sira as you are living off in this desert island.
0: So you decided to go to Pakistan to continue your studies. and Was it difficult to adjust to a new country, a new environment? Um,
1: Americans are, uh, and I, I love you all, uh, Westerners are spoiled beyond comprehension. So when we say... It was difficult to adjust. Uh, I, I now want to smack myself in the back of the head and say, difficult to adjust? Like, the conditions I was living in were still better than 85% of the country. So, yes, very difficult to get adjusted with uh, the first uh, The first semester, I was gonna very, my ego was saying the first three weeks. The first whole semester, I ran to McDonald's. I ran to comfort foods. I would go to a place that would play the NBA finals because I wanted to feel the luxury of home. And, um, yeah, took a lot to adjust, but that's where the whole bug of, yo, the Quran means something that I was 19 years old and my brain exploded again and again. Every time Dr. Asrar would speak, Hafidhullah, um, Rahimahullah, you would just engage with this book. So what was already cartoony and amazing became this unbelievable, um this book that was alive. That was the first time I thought Quran was organic, like it was living. And, and like the fact that people read Surah Fatiha and a sick person, they read it on their stomach, those things that are from the Sunnah, I totally agree. Like if I held a cup of water and recited after that visit to Pakistan, I understood that my recitation affected the molecular structure of the water. Like we got so much time to spend with scientists who loved Allah, physicists, like geniuses. But because they live in Pakistan, it was just normal to be like, uh, I'll give you one word. Uh, what's the word for natural phenomenon in Pakistan? It's Qudrati. Get it natural is automatically associated with God and that does something to the psyche of a nation at least it did for 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 me even if you're doing bad deeds you're you know there's still someone up there so that, that to me was a real transformational moment so to be in that environment with a bunch of people who whether good or corruption was going on or not they thought about Allah and then to be studying quran phenomenal uh, Pakistan nine. And 99 2000 and I came back to uh, uh, to September 11th uh, just having finished Pakistan so it was it was a wonderful time
0: now how did that opportunity come around to go to Pakistan? Uh,
1: I had finished memorization of Quran at the age of 16. I came back and understood I had 632 pages of a kind of just a rhythm in my head so my mom and I traveled to Cairo uh, post Cairo that Arabic Quran means something bug was there. Uh, but my family wasn't really ready for a uh, a long uh, Middle East day, so my dad said, "Oh, I just went to a lecture in Queens, New York. There was a sheikh there. His name's Doctor Something. Uh, he has a one-year Quran program." And then uh, the ball uh, ball started to roll. I will tell you, uh, for all the moms out there, my mom wasn't ready. She was like, "I'm I'm not into this." Why can't he do something close by? I don't want to send my baby away. Not a good idea. Not good. And um, and and she had to make a sacrifice, and so did I. A close relationship with the family, so that was a, a harder part.
0: Would you often get homesick? Would you miss the family?
1: Yeah. Yeah uh, but it wasn't as uh, easy as it is now with the internet uh, being as available so you couldn't call home and yes it did cost money to call and you didn't carry a cell phone so uh, there was missing but there wasn't uh, now when you miss it's like an itch you immediately oh, I miss you and then you FaceTime the person that didn't happen.
0: Uh, so how so did yes. how did you cope during those periods when you're perhaps feeling quite lonely or isolated in Pakistan?
1: You, you, well, as a youngest child, you cry. <laughs> that's what you do in the beginning. But I, I know that's hard for you to think. But you love your parents, so I would sit there and just say, "Oh, I miss them." Then I feel sad and I fall asleep. Until one of my roommates come by, he goes, "You're not going to do this anymore." And we started going to the gym. So that was probably the first time I really got into understanding, like, focusing energy, sadness, happiness, aggression, frustration. And Pakistan gyms are a lot of fun. Like. <laughs> People are eating bananas and making shakes <laughs> and, and, and there's a lot of guys throwing weights around. And it's a good place to be after eight, seven, eight hours sitting in one place studying. Um, like those were probably the most aggressive study periods in my life, eight, nine hours straight, day after day. So then you go to the gym and just literally 90 minutes, two hours, you grunt and lift weights and shrug and work on form. So yes, I, I would work out and. Uh, I took up calligraphy. I, I started to fill my time. I think that was a really big thing.
0: Did you ever feel I can't do this or I need to pack it all in and go back to the States? Mm-hmm. And what, yeah, stopped, what was... stopped you from going ahead with that?
1: I knew if I gave up, and I'm, I'm very easy for all the young guys who are like, he's really hardworking. As a teenager, I was just like you. I knew in my head though, if I gave up on this, I said, go back and, and at least fail. Like go back. And if you fail and don't go to class or something, that's fine. But you're going to do this. And I think that's where the hibs, the memorization help happen. Because in memorization, you throw the towel in like five five times a month. You're like, I swear it's over. Allah said only certain people can become hafiz. It's all over. And I think that dedication came... And I don't mean to make this into a physical fitness thing, but then the days in the gym would just be like, you know what? You could get through that. Just get through it two more semesters. Um, it was, it was the workload that I liked. It was getting adopted to culture. I wasn't a cultural person. I wasn't used to people talking behind. I was, you know, like there's a, Whatever, I learned what that means I'm just an open-hearted person And I live and talk with everyone the same way That was tough, that was tough But I grew up, Alhamdulillah, I grew up
0: And tell us about your next item that you're going to take with you
1: I think I will give the last two uh, Rather, put two together uh, One is, I would take a hadith about the benefits of salawat Because say I'm making salawat in the Prophet wasallam, And you're like Oh Allah, do you even like hear this? And you start to doubt yourself. Because I took the whole desert island thing to heart here. So I figured at some point I'm going to start losing it even more. One hadith that says, whoever makes salawat on the Prophet wasallam, Allah ta'ala says 10 salam on him. And if you can kind of for a second, not detach yourself from Allah, but when Allah gives you 10 blessings, where is salam coming from? From Allah. So... Just you—you you can read into that. I don't want to lead our lead our listeners astray. But God sending you salam isn't a detached thing. God is salam, so you gotta figure that out on your own. The fourth thing uh, that I would take after the hadith of salawat is shahada, and a lot of people are like, "Oh, that's a religious thing." Uh, I read shahada specifically. When I say to you ashhadu an la ilaha illallah in this sentence who comes first I or Allah I do I believe that by saying shahada on a desert island I never lose me because my opinion would always matter to who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not to a volleyball or to uh, whatever else hallucinations I'm having I would say ashhadu I count Wisam your real and uh, Allah, An Ilaha, illallah, illallah, illallah. So I'm not trying to like make this super spiritual, but I-, I gotta go with some tools here to
0: survive on this island. No, no, you're doing great. So you talked about about, about your pa- time in Pakistan. Now I remember my parents being glued to the TV whenever Dr. Israr would give his lectures. I think that was probably my first exposure to some of these. Tafsir and Urdu and you know, who's this guy He's very eloquent and passionate No notes, you know, you just have a copy of the Quran in front of him Now you spent a lot of time with him What are your most prominent memories of him and what made him special?
1: So, (inaudible) Hafizahullah, may God preserve someone who was a scholar of the Quran And so the first thing that I would note is I'm going to try to phrase it, routines and rituals He was a man of consistency, buddy, like I couldn't explain to you. We would all line up for Fajr and he had this uh, kind of a a chair that was made so that he could make that It tilted. It was very interesting. It was very nice. And the door would open exactly on the time. He would be able to say uh, so. uh, in more, what did his routines and rituals do? I, I truly and sincerely believe He could hold time He could count time in his head He would We would be um, Between Taraweeh And he would cover a whole juz. He would say He would look up How much time do I have? And they would say 120 minutes And he would say I'm going to do this I'm going to complete this amount And literally on the dot Boom 120th minute And then he would say Barakallahu feekum Sadaqallahu al-Azim Iqamatu salah And you're like And that was because of routines and rituals. So uh, I don't want to make the analogy to disrespect anyone, but Tony Robbins has routines and rituals that make you think he speaks like he's scripted. I don't know if that's uh, okay with your uh, crowd, but he's a motivational speaker a lot more than a motivational speaker. But when he talks, you could swear the guy's reading a script. When Dr. Sar spoke, it was the confidence of he knows his material this is the 23rd time we're going through the whole quran he knows the material so his brain is thinking as he's speaking and that to me so he'll be like he would literally stop and go what's it called when a light shines through a prism and then we're all sitting there like what and then his brain is literally going he goes oh a prism boom and then we'd go on with something uh phenomenal so um that's one memory uh, another memory. He was a man who understood the benefit of physical therapy. I don't. I know that you think a sheikh gets malish. No, I knew the men who would go in, and they wouldn't sit there going, "Ha huh, ha." Huh. There was a rotation of the hip. There was. He he would he had knee replacement, so he would have. Uh, he understood, and I'm going to say a phrase. This is the body that I'm going to take to Jannah. Okay. So a lot of people don't realize this body is going to be the body, yeah, bigger, taller, faster, happier, but you have to treat your body thinking you're going to, it's a vehicle to get to paradise.
0: Mashallah. um Tell us about the next item you're going to take with you.
1: Uh, so I, I thought a little disclaimer here. I know that these eight things are compared to eight music tracks. So I know that uh, pre Ramadan, you don't want to hear about music, but let's all accept that. Outside of Ramadan, we all interact with some level of instrument and vocals, okay? I know someone's saying, <laughs> no, I don't listen to music. Brother, you go to the bus station, you go to the airport, you interact with it. That's all I'm saying. So for all of us who interact, um, can we not, and I know it ruffled your feathers, whether you don't listen to music at all or you did in a pastime, or you still have that one song you hold on to, can you have a track Or a sound that you listen to and you thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, at a time in my life, a great poet of his time, Tupac Shakur, once said, Why am I living, why am I dying to live when I'm living to die? Um, this phrase would do a lot for me on a desert island. And for those of you who understand, yes, he denigrated women by calling him certain certain words, talked about drugs and violence and murdering people and sodomy and a whole bunch of wonderful stuff. So I I don't really need to hear about Tupac and his history and how he will misguide the Ummah. But when you speak to the people, because I... I did, the people who were around him. I met one of the people, I did my rotation in the hospital where he was shot and where he died. Um, he was a spiritual man and you will hear his reference to um, saying about his friends who became Muslim. Why am I defending Tupac? My,
0: my, <laughs> no, no, my it's all statement. good, man, it's all good.
1: <laughs> why am I living, why am I dying to live? Why am I, I give my life to economics, to financial gain, to capitalism, to low to, to the whole concept of what people are going to say about me. Why am I dying to live when in actuality I am living to die? So
0: after Pakistan, what happened next?
1: Um, a year is 99. two thousand. I came back in 2001, returned back to the United States. Um, at that point, I started college. Uh, and so in order to... Uh, Maintain my college schedule. I had just started college and I wanted to Continue my Quranic study and I knew the next thing to do was to teach So I started a full-time memorization program called the circle of excellence, which was a full-time memorization program for a, a 12 young men uh, six of them uh, uh, completing their program they went to they came to the uh, To my house Alhamdulillah, it was Alhamdulillah very spacious place they came to my house at 7.30 a.m., studied the whole day till 4 o'clock. And then the we had school teachers come into the facility and then teach them their academic sciences. And then they'd wash up and play and have a great time. Um, they did the whole program there till they memorized the Qur'an. So those two things were simultaneous. For those of you looking for a little bit of motivation, how do you go to full-time 18 credits, which is four to five classes, including my lab, my labs, bio labs? Um, I went to, I, I took classes at 5.30. Um, was it easy? No way. Was it like I woke up every morning like Dwayne Johnson and and ran to school? Uh, absolutely not. I would leave little treats outside of my bed to get out. But um, I, I went to college at 5.30 and would finish all my classes by 8.30. The kids were then there. A teacher was there to work with them. And, and then uh, in the evenings uh, in between, I'd do my work. But it was an amazing experience. So if you set the bar to do college, you're going to do this. If you say, I'm going to do full-time memorization and ace all my classes, then you're going to get both. Uh, don't uh, don't set your du'as based on your own potential. Set your du'as based on the size of the God that you are worshipping. The
0: amount of honor
1: that he deserves.
0: So you strike me as somebody who's obviously got a lot of energy, a lot of ambition, um, has this has that always been there in terms of most of your life, and what gives you that energy? And so, even when you're studying and memorizing and teaching, you know, where is that energy coming from? And, and had you always been somebody who is restless and wanting to do more and more and more?
1: Um, I'll give you three answers from the top. Uh, my parents, number one. If you ask my parents now, they'll say, "Huh, kuch like he's, he's doing something. Uh, because to them, I can do more. Uh, number two, why. My why got answered. Uh, and to every listener out there, it's probably like 5% who can catch the why. Once you answer why you are doing something, you will wake up. And if your why isn't strong enough, then it's not your real why. So if you could, my why is because I'm going to Jannah. I want to get all my friends to go too. And my Jannah is not complete unless you and all of Glasgow's there and all my Khalus and all my aunts. My Jannah won't be complete. Like I'll get there and be like, eh, what am I supposed to do? My friends are not here, but that's my why. I'm going to Jannah with my mistakes and my vulnerabilities and my big sins that no one wants to know and all my good deeds that people might know. My why gets me out of the bed, out of bed. And then in between, uh, if, uh, it's going to sound generic, but if you could read a little bit into it, if you treat Salah as a meditative, energetic process and you breathe through your solar plex uh, in your Salah, in your Salah, if you, if you think, why would he hold his hands? I'm sorry for rolling my eyes, but we treat Salah so ambiguously, but why would we be so concerned about the placement of the hands? These are energy centers in the body. So uh, I had a traumatic experience uh, where I was in a wheelchair for two years. I couldn't walk um, uh, because of an intestinal disease. And I took 13 inches of my small intestine out. Long story. At that time, took the health away. So yes, in my teen years, I was a rubber ball in a, in a solid room. I was just a lot of energy. But when all my health got taken away... <laughs> The way I got out of the wheelchair, I'm not trying to spiritualize this for you, was the posture of Salah. Not my, oh Allah, I'm praying namaz, make me healthier. A physical therapist came and poked my hip and said, nope, turn this, tilt your hip, hold the air in your epigastric area while you're making Ruku. Just think about that for a second. If you held Ruku in a sauna at 116 degrees, and now everyone else saying Nangu Pangu and your, your brain goes to all the reasons why you don't do hard work. So if you're standing in a sauna, then you're simulating one Salah of Muhammad Rasulullah My Nabi is out in Madinatul Munawwara praying thehar prayer, solid four rakah, sunnah, four rakah and in a hundred degree weather and that's a daily process for at least 10 years, right? Could Say Salah was in Makkah and we change it. 10 years at least. My Nabi is like, his chest and his stomach are the same, uh, are are the same, uh, they're both the same depth. So if you could, I, I would say the newfound energy that I've had, I'd say from around 2012, 13, when I started to shed some of the excess weight, is come from praying Salah as if Allah doesn't need it, I need it. And that's why when Allah says, if you don't pray, you're gonna go to hell forever, then you kind of like, yeah, Allah, it is that important. Th- thanks for the, thanks for the motivation. Uh, and I hope no one takes that uh, mockingly. Our Lord uh, tells us that if we don't pray, we'll go to hell. But what benefit does Allah get out of that? So when, and when it's Fajr time, I used to say, get up, you'll go to hell. And then now I say, get up, you'll feel like hell. And it's like, ah. Right, So that's where the energy comes from, um, find a focal point, your parents, your uncle, or your parents treated you horribly, use that as a motivation, uh, answer your why, and definitely uh, use Salah, and I will might as well throw the word in there. Yoga, as you understand it, are not only poses uh, uh, from uh, the Hindu culture to venerate a god, they are also strength poses. Poses that hold your diaphragmic breath that I need to use in order to recite Quran the way you like to hear me So if you told me no, that's haram, then sorry I can't hold my breath and recite the way you guys love to hear me recite oh, So sure. all yours, open your idea of, uh, of yoga and salanja.
0: And I'm interested in this uh, question of why you said, you know, find the why and that will motivate you I mean, was there a specific moment or time that the penny dropped was it now? Now I know. Had you been searching and thinking and reflecting, or was it did it just come more organically for you?
1: Okay, uh, uh, if you heard the question, listeners, I'm gonna go off of organically because I waited. Like me and you, I waited for Ramadan. I did things like I 27th night, I would like line myself up and be like, "It's gonna happen," but it doesn't happen. Maybe it happens to someone, but it doesn't happen like that to me. It was always like. I kept looking for a moment, moment, moment until I kind of stopped. And I was like, and I don't know if you, anyone wants to do this right now. I was like, Allah, I'm in it, right? And then it was like, yeah, like I was already in the moment. Uh, it could have happened. Maybe it was one of those crying moments at the Kaaba or I've had great experiences. But they went up and down. Until I kind of stopped and I said, oh, here I can say it. The moment was when I stopped chasing enjoyment and I started to realize I was in joy. Not enjoy. I don't want to enjoy anything because that's just chasing the next high, the next biryani, the next movie, the next basketball game, the next Fast and Furious, just the next high. When I accepted, no, bro, life is awesome. Like life is, is this good And yeah, I have bad days And I argue with my spouse And my kids get on my Yeah, they do They get on my nerves But I love them So I go back to that state of enjoy If you could do that I think that would be greatly beneficial To all our listeners Stop chasing enjoyment Enjoyment is going to happen in Jannah Crazy Just be in joy that you're going to Jannah Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah
0: Ustad so we'll Ustam, tell us about the next item You're going to take with you
1: I would take uh, Surah Luqman, the next audio track that I would take. Surah Luqman, Surah 31, 12 through 16. And everyone thinks the regular Everyone thinks I'm picking this because of the advice he gave to his son. I pick this passage because why was Luqman called wise by God? Not for the advice he gave his son. Because Anishkur Lillah. He was grateful. He was grateful. And if I could remember anything on the island, be grateful. And if anyone wants to do a great exercise right now, it's called the Shukr Gap. We usually say, I'll be happy when, I'll be happy if. So can we stop right now? Uh, maybe we can do this. What are three things you didn't have 24 months ago or a year ago? That you said, oh Allah, if I have these, I'll be happy. And I have like I can think of five things. I'll go, oh Allah, if I get this, I'll be happy. I'll be happy. Start doing that and write them down. So I will say, I asked Allah subhanahu wa taala. I asked for a baby. Uh, Alhamdulillah, Dawood is healthy. I asked for Quran Revolution students to flourish. That really it, it happened. If you can imagine and take the 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 business the the project side off, I started a, uh, I, I launched a startup. Were people going to invest in this brand new way of studying on Qur'an online with logos? And and um, it, w- was that going to happen? I asked Allah and I think I got it. So the next thing would be Surah Luqman uh, ayahs uh, 12 through 16. Just to remind myself, be grateful, be grateful, be grateful. Um, Alhamdulillah has kind of been hijacked, right? Alhamdulillah is supposed to mean, oh Allah, thank you, all praise, it kind of means like it's almost like a self-righteous phrase, Alhamdulillah. I, I don't I don't like that. I, so saying grace, gratitude, uh, maybe that should change the idea.
0: Now, taking you back to, you're obviously very involved in your community after a lot of your studies. Um, and I understand you're quite involved with Noman Ali Khan and Bayna in the very early days at the start of the journey. Tell us a bit about how did that come about?
1: Yes, um, I believe that uh, uh, originally uh, the brother Noman was teaching uh, Arabic grammar and he was looking for a component. Again, people want other sciences. So grammar met Tajweed and I think his 21 day grammar course uh, allowed me to then uh, be inspired to say, hey, I can, I have a similar type of course. And uh, as they say, the rest was history. Uh, And from there, uh, the weekend. Weekend seminar. It was like a 21 day course which became 10 then 7 then 3 and I just uh, Shout out to everyone who remembers I remember saying when I taught it as a 21 day and a six-month course I said if this ever becomes a weekend thing I quit forget about it That means no one's respecting Quran and no one but the world has changed and a day is like a uh, Like a week and a week is like a year
0: And you talked a bit about when you returned back in 2011 And obviously there was the significant effect of 9-11. Do you remember, did that change things for you as a Muslim in America?
1: Tremendously. Personally, uh, for me, um, just so our listeners know, uh, I wasn't just uh, 9-11 affected. Uh, We lived in New York and my dad worked uh, in one of the towers, uh, which is no longer standing. So there was a little bit more of a personal effect. Uh, Imagine, and I'm going to be a little raw here, being brown in New York and visibly Muslim post 9-11 in we didn't live in the city we lived in Garden City which is a beautiful suburb that had a hundred plus firefighters die in the towers because people went from far distances to help so in our community where this like we have muslim labeled on our forehead You got hijab in the house and beards and uh, and oh our house was a madrasa oh as uh, for to give you reference september 10th 2001 we began circle of excellence madrasa wow. the madrasa of the cave was the name originally and then september 11th happened uh nafsed so um
0: you mentioned there's a personal impact as well with your father was working in that building and stuff.
1: Yes, my dad was in uh, building seven, which uh, he had uh, had to evacuate. Um, his Some of his co-workers passed. A lot, a lot happened that day. And I, I won't make this into a, a story about that. But for all of you who realize that um, Muslims planned this bombing, um, and a film maker and no one has ever told the story of the Muslims who were affected So uh, please I-, I can put this out there now and my dad is very close and I can say it openly He's on the last legs of his uh, health He has been admitted for the last two years so I speak on his behalf he's unable to speak um, He not only was in the tower but then for months afterward was visited by governmental agencies to say hey, were you involved? To actually say the phrase, aren't you happy the buildings were burned because all the proof you were involved was incinerated. Actual sentence that a man heard who came home with his shirt covered in blood and when you said, Abu, why didn't you go to the hospital? He said, the things that we saw, there's no way we could have gone. People, he said, they popped like balloons when they hit the ground. Like, just imagine that. But then to be the victim and then be called the... Um, and then yes, that repercussion hit him. He did lose his job by uh, February 2003 He did not recover from that. He did not recover from the physical ailments He he got through them But then you had the whole idea that I was running a madrasa and yes, the the the, the papers called us and said what sent You know, do you have a training camp? What? how many push-ups do the kids do and we were all like playing basketball and video games and reading Quran and it was kind of um, so 9-11 for me, though, it just put uh, it put the pegs in the ground. It was like either I'm gonna turn on my heels and say, "Okay, the going is tough, so I'm gonna get running," or I'm gonna dig my heels in. And and I went through a very angry, frustrated, mean, meaner, aggressive Wissam stage where I wore a turban to college and I, I, I got into fights and uh, it wasn't good. But I guess that was just aggression. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take that back. Uh, Get a punching bag, learn jujitsu, do something else, guys. We don't need to be fighting for Islam.
0: And you mentioned a bit about your father's illness. and May Allah help him. And I Another. know that in a lot of your um, Instagrams, etc., you're reciting a lot of Quran for, for him. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that as therapeutic for him as it is for you when you read and recite at, at his bedside?
1: I got to tell you, I think it's more for me. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to shy away from it. It hurts It hurts where the stage where someone tells you be respectful, be respectful, and then your parents die. There's a space in between where they're alive, but you can no longer be respectful. You could, you could cuss them out. You could uh, stroke their head. It doesn't matter to them. And and when the dementia or old age develops enough. So yes, the Quran's for me. Uh, the Instagram is to feel like, because in my head, well, if you're, it's shaitan, it's just, it's your nas. Well, if your dua is so important, why isn't Abu better? But that's, that's wrong. You know, that's the wrong voice. So then when I sh- reach out and someone says, well, oh, may your dad feel better, then I just feel good. But I know in my head, for everyone out there with a sick family member dealing with dementia, why, why are we holding on to them? And I know it's so hard to say it, but in Akhirah, they're going to, they're going to come and give you a smack on the tuition and be like, beta, what, what are you guys hanging on to? You didn't think I was going to Jannah? Like, then I thought that I was like, no, Dad, I, you, I got you. You go to Jannah. You do your thing, and that's what's helped me. But for all of us with family members, um, it's that stage where if Abu can remember my name and say Wissam, and that's a big deal. So let alone me respecting him, being nice to him, that's all over. Those books are closed. Those that that chapter of my angels book is like, up. Oh, Wissam can't score any points here anymore. They do it in other places, so. Uh, if you've all heard the idea that we're living in a simulation, just play with that for a second. The video game is Islam. Taking care of your parents, oh, cheddar, cheddar, cheddar. You get points and points and points and points. It's like running through Super Mario Brothers just picking up all the coins. Um I want you to think about your parents as the simulation game. If you did some bad deeds, that's Okay. Come home to ting t-ting, wash their feet, take care of them. And I'm telling you, as extreme as you can say it, love them, kiss them, you will not regret it when they've lost their mind. You will you will say I did nothing.
0: And I think it is helpful for others because I think sometimes talking about and sharing um, experiences, particularly knowing that other people are going through similar journeys with their family members and you know, I think that helps because often it's most difficult when people, when you think you're alone, it's only happening to you or your family. And I think, Alhamdulillah, you know, you're in a position where people may, um, know from you, okay, yes, there are other people dealing with, uh, whether it's mental and physical illnesses and dementias. And, you know, these are tests in life. So I think, you know, may Allah uh, continue to give the strength because I know it can be difficult sometimes because I guess some people feel, you know, uh, is this the nafs telling me about you know especially on social media and all those challenges but i think uh, i i'm convinced that inshallah you your your posts and your efforts will be bringing comfort to people and helping share a lot of the difficult times so uh, may allah give everyone health and every you know especially your words about parents and you know appreciating doing whatever we can there will never be enough
1: Allahumma ameen. And if I could say the one word, a gentleman on Facebook posted for six weeks uh, a video every time he went to visit his mom uh, who had dementia. And the video opened my eyes. Uh, I don't know how to explain this to you, but I couldn't see Abu deteriorating. So I would go and get frustrated and be like, Abu, but we just did this. But it's things that you don't understand someone knows how to do to even forget. Like they forget how to do things, and the guy on Facebook, Allah bless him, and I think that it motivated me, he he did the video, and then you saw his mom slowly, and uh, it comes to that famous story that I say, my dad asked me three times what day it is, and I had to answer, not only did I have to answer like I answered fresh, but if I said Wednesday, Wednesday, he could tell, oh man, I asked this question already. And that was me causing my father pain because I couldn't have patience. Like that's some, I don't know if I can use the word, that's some trippy stuff. You have to literally be mindful of your tone. And uh, and that's why, yes, that guy motivated me. And if that can help some people out there, then yes, I, I, I will share Abu's journey. Um, and I hope that we can go through the pain together because we're going to get to Jannah. These are little capsules, they're little shells. Do you knock on the butterfly's cocoon and say, Hey in there, what's going on? No, just uh, Abu is in his cocoon preparing to uh, get to the stage. And as it was said to me beautifully, um, uh, death is the puberty of old age. When I'm a kid, I get pimples, I go to puberty, and my hormones go crazy. When I get old, I get shrivelly. I get a little moody, and then I go through puberty of old age and I die. But then just like puberty, I go, wow, I'm going to become something greater. So that's my little thought for everyone who's trying to let go of a family member.
0: So take us to your next item, Ustad we'll Wissam. Um...
1: Uh, it's a tremendous leap for all of us. Please be prepared. I would love to take, um, do- uh, I'd like to refer to him as Dr. John Kabat-Zinn. His name is John Kabat-Zinn, a professor who has a book called Full Catastrophe Living. Full Catastrophe Living. And then he wrote two more books. I would take one phrase from... He has three books. Full Catastrophe Living, uh, Where You Go, There You Are, and... Oh, I'm sorry, doctor. I don't remember the third. It's it's on my uh, tip. I'll get it right now. There's a quote. Where you go, there you are. And to me... The summary of that phrase, and I hope that does not offend anyone. But if I were to ask you, this is what this phrase means to me. Where you go, there you are. The phrase means to me, in the metaphysical time and space, in the multi-universe that we exist in right now, when is the only time I can acknowledge and worship and know Allah? Now. Is the only time. Not, oh, astaghfirullah, no Allahumma, Rabbana atina. Not there or there, but in my opinion, where you go, there you are, translates to me, Allah is now. And that to me is possibly, that's why it's in my number seven. It's the most, to me, it's the most powerful concept. Allah is now. Hence, the best time to make dua is now. Hence, the best time to think you're going to Jannah is now. The greatest time to ask for forgiveness is now. The best time to be creative and cultivate the ideas and goals you will manifest right now. So that's, uh, that's the phrase, where you go, there they are. John Kabat-Zinn, a wonderful phrase. Uh, and I, then I just have one more, the eighth track. Yeah.
0: So just before we go to that, because we're coming towards the end of the interview, yeah. is, um, you know, you're busy, you're teaching, you're learning, you're, you know, being a father to Dawood. Um, how do you relax? four above him. And the four above him. Four above mashallah. Allah. So how do you relax and what makes you laugh? What's your downtime?
1: Oh, okay. Uh, for those of you who are waiting to hear, I listen to lectures and uh, <laughs> read Quran. Uh, I don't read Quran to relax, but it's a part of my morning routine. What I do for downtime, I love, and I know you all are thinking working out. Um, I love fitness. I love resistance bands, standing on the balance ball why absolutely i carry around a pull up bar that travels in my um and i enjoy to, to to swing and hang from the bar but that's not always uh what do i enjoy i like to laugh i do enjoy uh, funny skits and comedy um I am an adult, so I do find funny, uh, like Dave Chappelle, that is very adult material, kids. Uh, that is not things that you should be watching, but as an adult with five kids, um, I can and have the appetite to be able to sift through his stuff. I find comedy funny. I like to watch sketches. Um, I like documentaries a lot. A lo- like I really like them, but if you can get me a movie that means something, I, I will devour it. Uh, may offend a lot of people, but if it's like a feel good, um, like, um, miracles from heaven, there's one happiness collateral, collateral happiness. It's a, it's a, it's so nice. Uh, it gives you an idea. Yes, no one's wearing hijab. It's not a Muslim movie and there's probably something inappropriate at some point. But, um, I do like, I do believe that the entertainment and the happiness in this world, I'm gonna get it in Jannah. So I, I, I do act responsibly, uh, but I, I like, uh, YouTube can provide you endless hours, right? <laughs> <laughs> you could fall into YouTube like a, um, you could, uh, but other than that, uh, I love to swim. I, I love hanging out with the kids. Um, and I, you could say a lot of time goes to working out. Um, and I, I like to, I, I really like food and not to eat it. I like to uh, find really nice food and then feed it to people. I'm not too interested in eating it.
0: So, you're a good cook. What's your, what's your favorite dish?
1: Um, my favorite dish has to go for South Indian. I will take you for idli sambar and dosa and vada. But. If I could cook for you uh, personally, uh, I, when I say salad, very robust, very full salad, maybe things you haven't tried before, avocados and things, uh, with a really nice base, uh, and I'm a mean uh, grill. I would love to prepare like some lamb chops, little medium rare, uh, some chicken chicken fajitas, uh, and then uh, finish you off with a nice big steak. I look um, forward
0: to it next time you're in Glasgow yes indeed oh i'd have
1: to bring you here to get all that oh, stuff yeah. i don't know where to get that <laughs> In so Glasgow.
0: take us to your final item that you would take with you so i figured i'm at the end
1: i've used all of my tracks i've i've indulged is all of the happiness that i can but i'm not going to make it or i am flourishing either way my eighth track is surah fatiha Surah Fatiha, the Arabic. Surah Fatiha, the meaning. Surah Fatiha, the Ashraqirat, Malikiyomidin, Malikiyomidin. Siraat al-Ladina, Siraat al-Ladina, Siraat al-Ladina, Ziraat al-Ladina, An-Amta alayhim, An-Amta alayhum, an alayhimu. I know I didn't give you in right order, but I would take everything that's Surah Fatiha. It's the most powerful thing that I could have.
0: So on this desert island, you can also take a book with you. Um, so what would you take with you? Uh,
1: what book? Oh, I would take, and I'd highly recommend um, everyone who's gonna say Quran. I-, I hope that my Quran's paka enough that that I know my Quran. So I personally would take Joy on Demand. It's a book by uh, one of the uh, a chief officer at Google chade Meng tan and I do ask for his apology I respect him tremendously I'm on my third time reading the book joy on demand a google a C, uh uh, chief officer who a- engineer by trade and fell upon um, uh, meditation and joy on demand as a science and wrote uh, two amazing books search inside you but I would take joy on demand because it, got, it has so many exercises and things to do to, to cultivate happiness
0: and on this desert island, you can take sh- take a luxury item with you. So, what would you take? Uh,
1: you can consider this to be a spiritual thing if you want to. I read around with my mouth. I would take my electric toothbrush. Um, I smile so much that sometimes, if my mouth doesn't feel clean, I'll walk around like this because <laughs> I can't stop the smile. This smile is gonna. Ha- my yeah. smile's in my cheeks. I can't help it. Um, so, I would take my electric toothbrush. If someone's saying, "Well, how would you charge it?" Hey, I'm on an island. I'll figure it out, Mister Tesla. Elon Musk can do it. I'll figure out some battery, <laughs> hydroelectricity. But I'll have my uh, Oral B and Sonicare. So it's kind of two items. Fantastic. But fikum, That's total dunya and total self-centeredness. But yes, I would take my
0: toothbrush with me. You're allowed the luxury items. So we'll start with Sam. It's been a real pleasure um, yeah, to hello. share your items with us. Um, and we really appreciate all the work that you're doing And spending time with us And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give you a lot of barakah Continue to give you strength And the, all the excellent work that you're doing Also bless your family with health and with happiness And please do remember us in your du'as And we look forward to seeing you in Glasgow inshallah
1: I will, JazakAllah uh I wish I could just uh, plug one last thing at the end When working on an initiative um, Hashtag addiction not addict uh, I know a lot of you don't want to accept the thoughts of addiction because they make us feel like that has to do with drugs. Uh, whether it's Netflix, flicks, binging, TV watching, whether it's uh, Facebook validation, whether it's um, cussing, whether it's hookah, pot, I don't know what other fancy drugs are out there. Addiction, not addict. Oh, pornography. Sorry. Um, if you, uh, if any of one of these things, remember, you are not an addict. It is hashtag addiction. As soon as you treat it as a habit, I promise you, my dear, the one who's hurting on the inside right now, I'm telling you, Allah can help you because it's a habit. And like any habit, you can hashtag addiction, not addict. JazakAllah khairan inshallah This Ramadan is going to be awesome for everyone. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Thank you to Radio Ramadan. And I, I hope that everyone has an absolute fabulous Ramadan. JazakAllah khair. Wassalamu alaikum.
0: Thank you for listening to Desert Island Gems.